Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 219th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. How are you? I'm doing well. I heard you made a purchase today. Yeah, well... Big one. Yes. Now... Not like... Don't tell my wife. Okay. Well, she knows. We, we don't, we, you know... She knows, but uh, <laughs> I won't say anything. But still, don't tell her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just don't bring it up. Um, I happen to be at Target, and they had an Xbox Series X sitting there, so I bought it because I've been trying to play Call of Duty, and my Xbox was lagging behind. So and I don't have to tell you that because you're in the same boat. That antiquated technology. Yes. Yeah, I'm tired of getting in games, and then they're like halfway over, you know. So whenever you said uh, there was an Xbox at Target, I went to Target.com and also bought one. So we're we're both we are just <laughs> upgrading today. How does what does that say about us that like companies only need to market to like one of us, and then to just rope the other one in? Well, did just you have a good experience at Target? Yeah, because you know they you want to have a good experience, and then you tell your friends. I'll about be it. completely honest. The box that my Xbox came in was a little roughed up. Um, some dents in the cardboard box and tossing it around huh it made me a little nervous but got it home set it up set up was a breeze looks great yeah actually I take that back it's kind of ugly it's a massive thing the console itself oh and it's made to be sat upright like this tall yeah I don't don't know how I feel about that it's got things where you can set it on its side but it's still just a massive thing kind of ugly under the TV does it fit in your yes display I think it's got enough breathability. Safely behind all the pillows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have to make a wall <laughs> so that my daughter doesn't uh, get in there. She likes to just press the buttons. I understand that. Yeah, so we'll, let's get this uh, episode over with so I can go play video games. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> uh, what do we have to talk about today? We've got basketball has officially started. We had a classic heartbreaking loss to Kentucky in football. And we play a top five team in Tennessee. So things are looking up. Uh, um, before we get into all that, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. Leave us a review. And you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. Let's start off with basketball. The Missouri Tiger basketball team beat Southern Indiana 97-91. Kyle, your starters for game one. Were Nick Honor, Demoy Hodge, Golston, Carter, and Kobe Brown? Oh, I thought you were telling me like those are the starters that I guessed. And I was no, like, hey, no, I did no, pretty no, good. No. Yeah, those I, were the official starters. Yeah, I was a little surprised by. Uh, I guess Golston was maybe probably the, one of the bigger surprises, but no Mosley. No Mosley. Yeah, yeah, that's the biggest surprise probably. Um. Yeah, I thought. You know we. We've been kind of trying to find who's going to be the odd man out of the rotations and stuff, and it's a little bit pointless to do that, especially when Coach Gates announced, like, he has eight guys that he thinks can start and yeah, he's going to be using 11 be, or 12 guys. It might be nobody that gets left out. Like, right. everybody's going to play at least a little bit. Surely at some point in the season, the rotations will clear themselves up a little bit. But that was a, that was an interesting game. Um 
I think there were five players in double figures scoring. Uh, Kobe Brown, 20 and 14, double-double. Offense looked good despite not shooting well from three and not getting to the free throw line. They still scored 97 points. Defense seemed... Defense in the first half was okay. I thought there was some defensive breakdowns on rotations and switches and stuff, leaving open shooters. But also... Southern Indiana just went crazy from three in the second half. I think 14 of 17 yeah. in the second half. Yeah, something they'll probably not do again all year, and Missouri will probably never see something like that happen all year. Yeah, that's what actually uh, Coach Gates in the postgame press conference said. 14 of 17 in one half, he was like, I don't think you'll see that in another game all season from any team in a half. Yeah, that, I mean, clearly Missouri can be playing better defense, but that is just completely – an outlying an outlier uh, performance from southern indiana the screaming eagles screaming eagles um was there anything that stuck out to you uh, kobe brown looked good looked yeah. athletic uh, there was a lot of dunks from missouri in this game yeah i definitely feel like the team is a lot more athletic than they've been in the last few years um, i think everybody probably would have guessed that though uh, i think noah carter looked good demoy hodge looked good as well i think demoy hodge is just going to be um like the most prototypical like three and d guy that you could possibly ask for just like good size good shooter good wingspan so tough on the on the perimeter really on both sides of the ball um no uh, very little diara if any diara at all um so i think that was maybe one guy we penciled in as just he might just have to start or he might just have to play because of where his height positionally he plays but um that's not going to be the case i don't think and not a lot of DeGray either, Ronnie DeGray. So um, looks like it's going to be Noah Carter, Kobe Brown down low, a lot of those guys. Yeah, I mean, from this just one game, we're going to try not to read too much into things from one game, but I think it's pretty clear that interior defense is going to – I mean, we anybody could have predicted that, but seeing Kobe – and Noah Carter be like your post players offensively not the end of the world defensively I think yep might be a struggle that's an issue um and we I mean nothing that's really too surprising to us I think we knew that I think they looked for a transfer big and didn't really get it um like more of a traditional big yeah and didn't find one so uh I think the point guard play, though, I think is going to be maybe the highlight of the team. Honestly, I was going to bring that up. Uh, Sean East and Nick Honor are going to be are going to be really good, and it's just it's like a night and day difference from watching you know Conzo Martin teams from the past couple of years, where it's just basically we don't have a point guard mm-hmm. to we have two really capable um, point guards who can score too. It's it's really exciting. Yeah, they had uh, remarkably similar stat lines in this game. Nick Honor, 23 minutes. He started 23 minutes, 10 points, made a three, five assists, one turnover. Sean East, 23 minutes, 12 points, made a three, five assists, one turnover. Yeah. That's remarkable point guard play. Obviously inferior opponent, but that's a good way to start Mm -hmm. things out. For sure. Um. I thought that uh, offensively, just not super efficient. Um, some questionable s- shot selection throughout. Uh, yeah. Obviously, they were cold from three. Like uh, Coach Gates said, Noah Carter being 0 for 4 from three 
is he doesn't think that's going to happen again. So obviously we expect better than 25% from three moving forward. Yeah. Um, something about Mizzou arena or something at this point. I don't know. Yeah. We got to what's going on. Shake that up a little We've bit. Had like and several it, years in a row of like terrible three point shooting. Yeah. Hopefully that's a low point. I think that game. will, it's certainly improve. Definitely. Um, let's talk about Isaiah Mosley, a uh, quiet game, only played 16 minutes, four points, uh, Oh, for three on three pointers. Pretty quiet. Two yeah. steals. Um, he had a couple possessions early on where he looked he was doing the things that we expect like his four points came on almost back-to-back possessions in Mm -hmm. the first half um made a tough two-point shot and then uh i don't know there was a play where there was a possession where he brought the ball up didn't pass the ball took a step back three that was pretty off Mm -hmm. and then he immediately came out of the game (laughs) so i was worried a, a little bit that we might get a little bit too much of the Mosley ISO show, but I think we saw in game one that if he's going to be making bad decisions with the ball, he's not going to be on the floor. Yeah. I I mean, before the season started, I think that was definitely a question I had was like, what is Mosley's usage going to look like? Because he's coming from a situation in Missouri state where his usage was unbelievably high like probably top 10 top 20 in the country as far as possessions ending with Mosley doing something whether it's scoring or turning the ball over a lot of possessions were ending with Mosley and I mean he has the ability to take over games at really any level and he probably will have moments like that but um it is going to be different it's it's going to be an adjustment for him and he is but you know going to be held to a little bit different standard if he's playing a little out of control he's going to get pulled and that's what happened and maybe he'll get a little bit longer leash as the season goes on but a lot of new faces and a lot more talent around them around him than he's used to playing with and he's going to have to share the ball a little bit and that's just an adjustment just having to rely on the talent around him is it's he's going to have to do that yeah and he'll figure it out and i'm not really worried at all he looked so good on those two scoring plays right um that's we can expect a lot more of that i think he'll have plenty of minutes plenty of shot attempts i don't think there's a concern there and um leading up to this first game he and uh the coaching staff were talking about how much he has dedicated to defense and rebounding Mm -hmm. and coach gates has said about like three different guys how good they are at finding open teammates he Mm -hmm. said that about mosley he said that about kobe brown that each of them can lead the team and assist on any given night. Yeah. could be a little bit of nerves, too. I feel like especially in their first exhibition game, I feel like Gates mentioned that they were nervous. And for Mosley especially, you know, he's coming back home and there's high expectations and just playing for Mizzou, the team he grew up, he grew up rooting for and all that stuff. I mean, they're not robots. Yeah. They, they have human emotions, and I'm sure there's something to that where um, he's just going to have to get used to uh, playing for the home team again. Or not again, but just in general. He's Mm going to have to get used to that. Um, Trying to see if anything else. Aiden Shaw? Yeah. He was impressive. Honestly, if we were were talking about, like, interior defense, his length and athleticism is going to play a factor there. Mm -hmm. Um, He's not going to be – it's still going to be a struggle. He's not built for it yet, but I'm very optimistic about his – uh, his floor right now and then his development 
Yeah, I mean, we knew his athleticism is off the charts, obviously, but it was it was um, good to see him kind of down low, banging around a little bit. I think he's gonna be forced to have to play um, pretty often. He's gonna have to play a lot of minutes this year, I think, just because of his size and and uh, because there's not a lot of depth down low. He's honestly one of the taller guys on the team, probably. And so. he made a three, and he did. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I was impressed with him. The, I mentioned. Uh, the athleticism and the dunks i think he had two i think kobe had three hodge had a dunk noah carter had at least one um yeah he had a huge dunk yeah they at times were really making uh southern indiana look like the inferior opponent that they were Mm -hmm. and especially early on i felt like it was it was dominant yeah there was a well they started out 9-0 run and then there was a stretch like late first half early second half i feel like where they pulled away and and it was a 20 point game for a little while before southern indiana just went crazy from three but uh yeah don't like to see them give up 91 points but um 14 of 17 (laughs) from three in the second half Mm -hmm. what are you gonna do um trago million uh played quite a bit he looked really good he did exactly what coach gates has been talking about just like a solid uh on ball defender good decision maker he's not gonna win you a game but he's not gonna do anything to lose the game either yeah really everybody that came in contributed something Uh, Mm -hmm. we needed somebody to get hot from three to like put it away Mm -hmm. in the second half but yeah, I mean, we kind of saw exactly what we hoped to see, expected to see with a lot of players. Preseason, like you mentioned, it was kind of like who's going to be the odd man out. And I feel like in this game, we kind of saw why there aren't a lot of losers, at least up you know up front at the beginning of the season, because everybody really kind of brought something. And I don't know. I don't know if we're going to be able to keep playing 10 guys every night, but I think I would ideally like to see it more like eight. But if everyone's going to keep bringing something different every night, then keep doing it i guess uh looking ahead they actually play three times before we record again so they all home games all non-conference home games they play uh friday against Penn, sunday against lindenwood and tuesday against siu edwardsville so gauntlet yeah (laughs) Penn actually uh 182 in kimpom not an awful team they lost their first game to a top 100 team in Iona uh, on the road. Only scored 50 points in that game. Their defense, they, they only scored 50 points in that game, and their defense is actually worse than their offense. So I think uh, another thing that I want to mention about this first game that I think will play a factor all season, but especially in these with these overmatched non-conference teams, is Missouri's pace. Uh, 82 possessions on the game obviously yeah. score 97 points you're gonna have a lot of possessions but um, they were getting up and down the court really fast taking shots in transition um, Sean East especially I feel like he had a few plays where it was almost like um, a little bit of a delayed transition drive where he kind of made the defense think that he was gonna pull it up and set up the offense but he just kept going to the basket and scored so 
I was really impressed with the pace of play, and I think they'll be able to use that and their athleticism to their advantage against Penn. And then Lindenwood, uh, near the bottom of the of Division One basketball, and SIU Edwardsville, 283 in Kempom, so still pretty inferior opponent. We should see Missouri at a 4-0 start, and their athleticism and pace is just going to overwhelm these teams, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a few more games after that that are going to be the same way. This is yeah, or not a tough, not yeah. a tough slate here. The first eight or so games. Yeah, which I'm fine with. Um, just kind of get the early season jitters out of the way, and kind of I think Wichita State's really the first, probably pretty challenging opponent mm-hmm. that we'll that we'll see. But even that is very winnable game. Missouri did. Uh, fall in Kimpom from I think they fell like 11 spots from 41 to 52 oh were they as high as 41 I think at some point but uh, yeah 52 is where they're at now and that's almost all because they gave up 91 points and gave up a really high shooting percentage Are you checking on your Xbox? Is it ready to be picked up? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess that's all for basketball. Um, just it's fun seeing the new guys out there yeah. in the black and gold and seeing who contributes. Moving on to football, unfortunately. Um, man, where to begin with this Kentucky game? I guess we'll start with pregame. It was announced that Coach Drinkwitz had signed an extension to uh, extend his career as the Mizzou head football coach. And before we give our opinions, um, it was interesting seeing the fan reaction, like on Twitter and stuff, before the game. I think there was a lot of people questioning it. But I would say mate pretty close to an equal number of people excited and on board before the game started and I would consider myself easily among the people that was excited and think of this at least before the Kentucky game I was thinking this is cool lock them up you know got Blake Baker yep uh, extended Baker as well and then followed that up with drink He'll be able to tell recruits that he's here long-term. There's not going to be any of that opposition recruiting, telling kids that he's going to be out the door next year. And we clearly know the direction of the program for the next two or three seasons. And at the same time, if things just become an absolute disaster, they will always be able to find the money for the buyout or whatever they need to do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, it seems like we just didn't really have to do much to be like, okay, you know, more years, extend them. We, we handled South Carolina and, uh, that's, that was a pretty low bar to clear. If you were just going off of like in-season performance, top 20, top 25 team on the road, Kyle, I suppose. I mean, Hey, I'm not, I'm not belittling that win at all. It's a good win. South Carolina is a little fraudulent, but I, I was, I was thrilled with that performance and I'm, I'm definitely not upset that they wanted to lock him up, uh, for, for for a few more years. And, this is certainly not some kind of ironclad Conza Martin contract that it's going to you know, put them back for years if things go south, which I don't think they will. But um, I think it's fair to question, you know, why did they do this? Why did they 
choose this this timing and I think there's just a lot that goes on and, and behind the scenes too when you're talking about like professional agents obviously coach Drinkwitz is represented by Jimmy Sexton who is overwhelmingly the most well-known agent in college football and he is a handful mm-hmm. he, he is a wrecking ball when it comes to um, his clients and I think sometimes when you've got Jimmy Sexton on you uh, if you're you know administration um, there's probably just some dissonance that's just you're constantly living with in negotiations and maybe you're just happy to get it over with which I guess that's a good agent that's making life hell for administrations he's dealing with but I'm sure that there's a, a fair amount of that where they were just like let's just get this guy out of our face um, coach Drinkwitz has made good relationships with people in the program he's a good recruiter um, he's shown he can get it done in the recruiting trail we're just locked up locked up our, our defensive coordinator and he's off a good win against South Carolina so let's get this over with and um, I you know it's I've always feel like it's a little bit interesting when fans are in outrage over money that isn't there isn't theirs to spend you know I mean it's not going to change our lives whatsoever um, if coach Drinkwitz is paid four million or six million um, and there's just countless examples of coach of administrations being able to do what they need to do to move on from a guy if it's not working. Right. Yep. That'll like, always and, be an option. And this is not a, like you mentioned, this is not a Conzo Martin contract. This is not a Brian Harson, uh, Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. This is not anything near that. And even with those awful terms, like in the Brian Harson contract, Auburn still did what they had to do and they'll be fine off the back of that. Yeah. And I mean, I can understand concern when you're talking about those kind of contracts yeah. because yeah, then you can end up keeping guys longer than you want to just because of the financial implications. But this is not one of those situations where yeah. it's like, this makes us, you know, it, it makes him impenetrable. And if things go bad, so I think this is perfectly fine. And I'm, I'm glad that they are able to tell, you know, recruits long-term that, that he's going to be here long-term and all that, like you mentioned. So, Speaking of recruits, is is there? Do you think there's anything that coach is telling the administration that um, is like information that is not publicly available about specifically how he's feeling about recruits? Um, you know that he's looking at or yeah, like we feel good about this guy yeah yeah like even if uh you know that's what leverage do you have as a coach that's not like already public information i wonder if if there's some confidence there for recruits that we don't know about sure um or just like and it doesn't have to be a guarantee mm-hmm. um i just am curious if that factors in at all yeah well you know one thing we know about Coach Drinkwitz is he knows how to talk and he knows how to sell a vision. And I remember even after like the Georgia game, it was a it was a close loss. But I remember Coach saying stuff about, you know, this is what I how I envision the University of Missouri looking. And, and he knows how to get behind um, what they are doing and um, selling what they have going. What even if the maybe win loss record yeah. isn't great and. I think that in that position, yeah, you're selling the University of Missouri constantly to recruits, but you're selling yourself to administration. And I think he's probably representing himself really well because I know he can do that. And I, I think that's a great point. I'm sure there's things that are going on behind the scenes that they're in constant communication about that's not public. Yeah. And 
I mean, things get leaked all the time, like, you know, uh, various journalists and, and people within just close to the program or alumni, people find stuff out and you know, people talk within yeah. the program. And so I'm sure that's um, something that I don't think about a lot, but it's a good point. I'm sure that the administration is well informed of, of the things they feel that coach feels good about. Yeah, and he uh, he has a, built a small reputation for not giving up on guys when they verbally commit elsewhere. Yep. And he's you know had some high profile flips towards signing day, and or you know players like Luther Burden who have decommitted from somewhere else and reopened their recruitment. So that's I don't know. There's just it'd be interesting to see if there was any specific optimism about mm-hmm. the 2023 class yeah. that maybe influenced this decision that's something we will we there's no way to know right but um so with all that being said uh, missouri had to play kentucky and we predicted a very close game um i think we we both picked mizzou to win um, but it was kind of a toss-up i believe it was announced this was the best attendance in the Drinkwitz era and maybe like going back to the season before that uh, for a home game so good to see the crowd show up unfortunately Missouri lost this game 21 to 17 and continued the trend of basically finding the most incredible um, never before seen ways of losing football games and there were three plus moments in this game that were head scratching and one in particular that I have never seen before and will probably never see again. And that was the most pivotal play of the entire game. But before we get there, I don't know. What, what, how, do we, how do we think about this Kentucky game? Missouri looked awful. They looked okay. And then everything that could go wrong went wrong. And for like one drive, they looked great. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know what's going on with these Kentucky games, man. It seems like every year or the most years we play Kentucky, there are some like ex- unexplainable occurrences, whether it's just you know normal on-the-field stuff, like normal p- football stuff that's just like, wow, that's uncommon, or just literal terrible referee yeah. performance or bad calls or whatever it is. seems like all of that happens against Kentucky. And once again, Missouri – Missouri football offense starts a game by just doing nothing. How (laughs) many times this season has the offense gone out there first drive three and out look awful, like go backwards a little bit. Yeah. And just like, we'll take the ball first and then actually no, you can have it first and to start the second half. Exactly. If you watch, uh, NFL, um, at all, I feel like good, good head coaches or good offensive coordinators maybe even in college will script a first drive and a lot of times I feel like you'll see a a flurry of scoring at the beginning of games because teams know exactly what they're going to do they've got every play planned out for every situation and they've dissected the defense you know in film leading up to this they know where their spots are going to literally know what plays they will run um, going into the game and so a lot of times you'll see um, good teams score on their first drive Missouri is the complete opposite of that. I don't know if they've scored on their first drive all the season. Yeah, That'd seriously. be something interesting to look at, actually, be, I, because I don't, I don't know. They've more often than not they don't get a first down. Yeah, they yeah they do a couple horizontal passes that 
are borderline pick sixes or just lost yardage. Run the ball they, for negative one and, and then, then they punt. punt. Yeah, the, I, yeah, they run on first down a lot, by the way. But, yeah, that's that's kind of concerning considering, I, you know, obviously Coach Drinkwitz is touted as an offensive mind, and it does seem like we uh, really, really struggle in situations where good coaches flourish. Uh, Missouri offense had six first-half possessions. They came away with three points, so one made field goal, three punts, a fumble, and a turnover on downs. Let's talk about the fumble and the turnover on downs. The fumble pretty early on, Brady Cook scrambling and did a pump fake, lost the ball. It ended up not being a big deal because Kentucky missed the field goal. Um, Still frustrating field position-wise to just give him the ball in such a good spot. But uh, it didn't end up hurting anything. What really hurt was the QB sneak that went nowhere yeah. on fourth down and that whole sequence i we were in, like when we were talking about the game as it was happening we were begging for them to just line up and sneak the ball get the first down quickly yes but instead they tried to do a tricky little play where they brought tyler macon into the game and he motioned under center with brady cook still in the backfield mm-hmm obviously looking like he was going to run a QB sneak, mm-hmm. but no, they just were trying to draw him offside. So and, then they took the time out and they've run that play multiple times. That's on film at least three different times of the season. Ex- like specifically with Tyler Macon coming in there out of nowhere and looking like he's going to run a play and, and they've never snapped the ball. They've never snapped it. So, okay. They take time out, whatever, but then they go right back out there and clearly are going to run a QB sneak with Cook and they line up and they do it and they get stuffed. And it's a really really bad attempt. And yeah. it's again, so easy to like nitpick the the situation there but I don't feel like it's being nitpicky to be like you just telegraphed to everyone in the world. Yeah. You you basically dared Kentucky to gear up for the QB sneak. Yep. And then you just went ahead and did it. Yeah, they had like four or five players just like directly in the ball. Like, yeah. Um, and then so the offensive line just gets blown up. Yeah. Brady really doesn't give a good attempt. He kind of like stands straight up almost. Well, like, the, the offensive line is backing up into him as soon as he gets the ball. Yeah, there's really nothing he can do. I mean, that should be the easiest play in football. I mean, again, going back to NFL or good offenses, I don't know that I've this season at least i don't think i've seen a qb sneak go poorly i don't think i've seen a single quarterback sneak that doesn't convert at any like at any level i've got trevor lawrence on multiple fantasy teams (laughs) and he is honestly their offense is good about just hurrying up to the ball run the sneak just get the half yard that you need and move on and like when brady cook lined up to take the snap and it was obvious to everyone that he was going to sneak it. Yep. I was just praying, just pitch it, pitch yep. it, and you'll audible this thing. Whenever you see four linemen yeah, in like a five inches space, just yeah, I, I I hate getting so negative about like such a specific play call, but it's it was it's a huge so moment, pivotal, yeah, and in you know Kentucky territory, yeah, that was the right call to go for it. They yes. they absolutely had to go for it on fourth down, but you just have to find a, a better way to, to do that got to be a little smarter 
another weird thing that happened in the first half uh, was the little dust up on the sideline, on the Kentucky sideline that ended up in a 15-yard penalty on Mizzou. Um, that was, a, I think, a situation where you either don't throw a flag or yep. you do offsetting and move on. Yep. Because, I don't know, it's like we're okay with the bench just like kind of surrounding yep. the opposite the opposing player and like yelling at them and like giving them a little you know bump and stuff and and but then if somebody retaliates then they get a penalty and there was just a you lot of shoving like, and stuff happening pretend that you saw everything that happened either. exactly like so just to pin all the blame on one player is just super weird yeah i mean i think it landry was dumb for like putting himself in that situation where he was easily identifiable as somebody doing something like inserting themselves into it but i don't know it's just frustrating like <laughs> like of course like we somehow knew that was going to happen yeah and luckily again you could tell early that it was getting chippy and yep. the first it was i think basically the first play that ended on the sideline turned mm -hmm. into a little thing yeah uh, luckily, Kentucky missed the field goal on that one also, and so it didn't end up hurting us directly points-wise. But I feel like it almost kind of like ignited the Mizzou defense a little bit. They started playing better after that. Mizzou defense was awesome in this game. Yeah, first yeah. drive looked a little soft. At yeah. least Kentucky kept just like converting those third and longs, which was frustrating. Kentucky's third down, like all game, was either get sacked or, you know, convert third this and crazy long. third and 12, yeah. yeah. Yep, that was frustrating. I think they were like 6 of 13 on third down, which is pretty good, especially considering mm -hmm. how bad their offensive line was all game. Yeah. I, and I don't know. Was Kentucky's offensive line that bad? or I feel like it's a little bit of both. both. But Yeah, I mean, we knew Kentucky's offensive line was, is struggled this year. And Missouri's defense made them look worse than they are, I yeah. think. And honestly, credit to Will Levis. And, you know, he's playing through injuries and a god awful offensive line, and still looked pretty good. He's he's making good throws he's, out there. He's legit. Yeah. Um, what else happened in the first half? By the way, Kentucky's going to be terrible. Like once Will Levis is gone, they have nobody. I think Chris Rodriguez and Will Levis will be gone. Yeah. Next year, so something to keep in mind yeah something to you know just just put away in your mind somewhere just be happy about it i can't remember if this was first half or second half but there was a potential targeting penalty that got picked up yeah and i uh, i had to like dig into the rules a little bit i think it was the correct call yeah what I, they showed on the tv screen for the rule was a little bit incorrect but well they, you really know the rule book well i looked it up because it was bothering me <laughs> um because I, on TV, yeah. they didn't say anything about head or neck area. Yeah. And uh, they were just talking about launching. Thrusting. Yeah. They were talking about launching. thrusting into the player. Yeah. And uh, so I looked it up afterwards, and it definitely does say head or neck area mm -hmm. in the rules. Yeah. But again. I like, was okay with not calling targeting there. Yeah. I'm, I'm being a little salty, but I just kind of think that we still. A little too much still, thrust. We're still not at a good place with the targeting call. Okay. Is all. Because, like, you're launching into a guy and he's hitting the ground hard enough to get concussed, you know? I don't know. Even if you hit him in the chest. I feel like all Going, you have to do is look like you're actually tackling. This is, like, maybe kind of boomery to, of me to say, but, like, just wrap there's up. There's nothing wrong with being a boomer. That's true. We love our boomers. Um, wrap up, and, it, and you're not going to have this problem. Like, you're never going to get called targeting just about. I probably agree with that. Unless you hit him in the head. 
Um, what about that um, bad spot? That was the next thing I was going to bring up. Third and one. Uh, the score, Kentucky. Yeah, Kentucky got the ball third and one. Um, it's seven to three, and they get stopped at the line of scrimmage. Might have even lost a little bit of yardage. Yeah. Worst case scenario, it, the spot is exactly where it was on third down. Mm-hmm. It's fourth and one. They're definitely punting because yeah. it was like back at their own 30-yard line. But the ref just walks up and says, nope, first down. Can we talk about the like prehistoric process of the refs like marking the ball, spotting the ball? <laughs> what are we doing? How is this still how we do this? Like the ref is, I mean, this is a pretty large amount of space we're talking about here, like from where the ball is to the sideline where the ref is. Yeah. Like he's got to run and he's like doing his arms in the air and stuff. Like he's trying to walk in a straight line and he couldn't walk in a straight line. I can tell you that. <laughs> and just gives him the first down. Like what? Yeah. This, this is awful. Yeah. That was and, like just blatantly, objectively the wrong call. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've seen things on Twitter where people are showing like how they determine offsides in European, like high level soccer. Mm-hmm. And they've got this like, 3d model that they can look at where it's like there's this plane where you see like this player's head was just past the defender so they like confirm that it's offsides that technology exists and we're using chains on sticks and just eyeballing it i always i always think it's funny too whenever they bring out the measurement and it's like yep we can see yeah it's not yeah we knew exactly what was going to happen beforehand yeah like on tv we're seeing like the orange marker over here (laughs) and the ball here we're like yeah it looks like about six inches short and then sure enough they hold up their hands yeah i don't i don't really get the chain gang thing honestly in the the referee spot but there's got to be a better way we can do this and honestly normally they do a pretty pretty decent job and if it's just considering if there's an egregious example usually like the coaches are on top of it and can challenge or something like that. So Coach Drink says in the post-game press conference that he asked the officials and that they told him immediately that there was not a good enough angle to do anything about it. So Which is a lie. So don't even don't even worry about challenging. I it. swear to God, somebody's like paying these these refs, man. Every time we play Kentucky, like that's some BS. Well, we can't take a look at it because we don't have enough angles. I okay, so I'm I have two thoughts there. Okay. One good. is that's completely made up. Number two is did actually did coach Drinkwitz make that up because he feels dumb for not challenging the play. That's honestly very possible. And I kind of thought of that also. And I, I honestly don't even know how challenges work in college football. I didn't know you could just like challenge. Just call a timeout or something. Yeah. Usually that's how it goes. I feel like you just, just call a timeout and look hope, at it. hope something happens. But that was every, like the defense knew we just got a huge stop. Blatant. Uh, the announcers knew. Yeah, Isaiah McGuire was looking around like, yeah. what? Because he was the obviously in on the stop. Yeah. He had his hands like physically in the air looking around like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. Yep. That's one. That and, and Kentucky goes and scores a touchdown and make yep. it 14 to three. Yeah. That's absolute game changer. Although, second half, offense wakes up a little bit. Um, Brady Cook starts running the ball, which why didn't we see that a little bit earlier? He, uh, We almost just hand off to Schrader four times at the goal line and then finally decide, you know what, let's let Brady Cook run it in. Yeah, so which he, Schrader would have been stopped again yes. if he didn't keep it. 
yeah, it, it seemed like for whatever reason in this game, we stopped giving Cook the actually the option. Mm-hmm. Like it seemed like in the South Carolina game, he was genuinely making reads and making good reads yeah, and tucking it and picking up 10 or 12 yards here and there. Well, that was one thing we talked about last week was I don't know that Brady Cook's going to be able to do the option as well because it's on film now because it True. works so well against South Carolina. But I agree. It did seem like in the first half, there wasn't even really a lot of plays they were running where he was truly deciding in the moment to right. keep it or not. It was, it was just, all a, just a regular handoff. Uh, yeah, I mean, Brady Cook, we know he's not like a, a dangerous passer at this point. Like he's He can do it from time to time, but what, literally one of his best abilities is being able to run. And you have to, with an offense this bad, you have to utilize that at least, uh, I don't know, once a drive or something. Yeah, I was going to say half a dozen times a game at least. And finally in the second half, they did a little bit, and he had maybe the best play of the season probably for him. For him, yeah. uh, Bouncing off a couple defenders and scoring a touchdown on a 20-yard run. Yep. And that made the game 17-14 Mizzou. Yeah. Yeah, they took the lead on that. Yeah, they always do just enough to, like, make it really sad when they lose. Yeah, these are close games. Um, so that brings us to Kentucky scores another touchdown at some point there. I can't remember if there's anything notable and I think it was just that. another one of those, like, uh, unlikely long, like, third and long conversions. Yeah, yeah. And where they went and scored a touchdown. It was like um, the way I was thinking about it in the moment was Missouri's defense had done so well while the offense could do nothing yep. that of course as soon as the offense gets the lead well it's just time now for the defense to yeah. give up a score it's like a, just a microcosm of the last decade of missouri football where the it's like two extremes where the the defense is like literally the worst defense in the country and then the offense is really good and then they just swap like this year now the offense is like one of the worst in the country and the defense is elite yeah like, how can we not just be decent at both at the same time? But they did that in this game. Yeah. They just flipped. So uh, Kentucky makes it 21-17, and they have the ball with a chance to close out the game with about three minutes left, and they get stuffed on third and one, I think, again. Um Kentucky. Yes. Kentucky tries to run the ball. They get absolutely stuffed, yep. driven backwards. Yep. It's fourth down. Kentucky is punting to Missouri. Missouri's going to get the ball with about two and a half, three minutes left. And it was like pretty deep in their own territory. Yeah. Missouri was going to have a decent chance here to go score a touchdown and win the game. And the most incredibly lucky thing happened for Mizzou. F- once, finally, in that spot, Mizzou gets a break. For like two seconds. And the long snapper just catapults it over the punter's head. Like actually so far off base that it actually helped the punter, I think. <laughs> it did. It definitely did. Uh, it goes to like the two-yard line or something. And somehow the punter recovers it and gets the punt off and gets tackled so that it's roughing the kicker. What? Has that ever happened in the history of football? Like that exact scenario where it's like he's not an eligible runner because he kicked it. Yeah. It went like 30 yards behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And so obviously like the the emotions there in such a short amount of time are just 
Gesundheit. And he, bless you. And he gets the kickoff and he goes out of bounds at like Kentucky's like 25 yard line yeah. or something like that. Just like amazing field position for Missouri. Yes. Just wiped out. The, the ball's sailing over his head. And in that moment, it's like, oh my gosh, this could be a touchdown for Missouri. Worst case scenario, we're going to like have the ball at the 10 yard line or better of Kentucky. Yeah, worst case. <laughs> and then he picks up the ball and punts it. And yeah. it's like, okay, well, that is wild that that happened, but we're still going to get the ball in yeah. Kentucky's on Kentucky's side of the field. Incredible field position. Awesome opportunity here to go win the game. And then even then, no first down Kentucky. Just, just ridiculous. This, yeah, 15-yard penalty. You can't even blame Will Norris, man. No. I mean, he just he really did exactly all you can do. I mean, he can't just, like, avoid the, like, oh, he punted it and just, like, get out of the way really fast. Like, I mean, I, do, I physically don't know what else you can do if you're him. The only thing you can do is, like, is always go for the ball no matter what. Like, just, don't ever... But you're, that's not something you're going to work or on. Or just, like, try and anticipate that he, he might just turn around and punt this yeah. really fast. I mean, I tell you, now every player on Missouri's uh, special teams knows what to do in that situation. I'm not going to lie. I don't even think – a lot of times I, I don't even want them to try and block the punt. Right. I just want them to just, just back up. Don't let the punter run for a first down. Like, yes, basically play, like, fake punt, yes. safe yes. punt return – Call a fair catch. Yes, every punt. Yeah. Don't just please do not lose us the ball on a special teams play or get a penalty. Play like they're going to fake it. Protect the return man. Call fair catch. Yep. Let the offense go out there. Yep. That's a weapon of a special teams unit just, if you're doing that. Yeah, literally just don't lose the ball and I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, so that's like maybe one of the weirdest ways we've ever lost a game and we've lost some we've lost in some weird ways yeah missouri actually got the ball back the defense made made a stop and got the offense the ball back with like a chance for two plays and yeah. uh oh. what even and happened then a, there? like luther burden caught like a 40 yard pass yeah. but like mitchell holding. walters was holding yeah. classic yep and that's uh i mentioned earlier that missouri's defense made kentucky's offense look worse than they are Missouri's offense made Kentucky's defense look way better than they actually are. Yep. Well, we yeah, we've done that all year. Yeah. We made Vanderbilt's the, defense look good. Yeah, but like the announcers were were saying like, "Oh, this is a real defensive struggle." Like, no. Like one of these defenses is is pretty good. The other one is going up against an, an inept offense. Yeah. Missouri's defense had 11 tackles for loss for the third straight game. That's a good thing. They're still fighting, man. They're playing hard. That's true. And honestly, the way they've lost these games this year, they're so close to having a really good record. Flip this game in Auburn, and we're talking about, yeah, absolutely, you extend Drinkwitz. Absolutely. This is... Like, literally flip a couple of these close games and, like... They're at like they're having like a seven eight win season. Yeah. So you gotta think that will 
you know, not have such awful things happen in another season, maybe. And well, things I, will I normalize mean, a little bit. I've been thinking that for years. I thought I was thinking that in the Barry Odom era, like surely we we're going to like do for some regression here as far as like just the most insane stuff in the world happening. And then it just has kept happening. Like I remember, I mean, I don't want to get carried away with this, but remember like the South Carolina game in the Barry Odom era where it was just like a literal hurricane just yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah. And we like lost, we just start playing terrible. Like, I mean, I've been thinking about these just like you, this would never happen in a million years to anyone else. I've been thinking that for like five plus years now. So maybe it just is always going to keep happening. Probably a little bit of negativity bias in there too, but we're going to, it's all going to come together. We're going to get all of our, uh, you know, ducks in a row. Yeah. The, the karma is going to turn around. I don't know what I'm trying to say exactly, but the inverse of this we're due for it. We are, but it won't happen. I'm trying okay. to manifest okay. I'm sorry. it into like, you know, okay. maybe I agree. Maybe two seasons from now or something is when it all comes together. We are the beneficiary of like insane things. Well, I mean, I was, good calls. I was thinking after the South Carolina win, like, wow, we didn't have any just crazy weird things happen. I mean, that might be the only game all year. There was just like something I've never seen before didn't happen. It was just a normal game where we played well for most of the game. And then Kentucky happened. And we took 49 steps backwards on the weird scale. But somehow this loss was some was even was less brutal than the missed field goal against Auburn somehow. I don't, for some reason that will just last that'll just be traumatizing for my, my whole life i don't know why that's interesting that you you multiple times have mentioned the miss field goal but yeah that, i mean that I, that really messed me up i i the pete fumble sticks out more to me i mean that the, both of those happening in the same game is wild it was happening in a five minute intervals yeah i i mean i just feel like yeah. a miss field goal okay, yeah, yeah whatever Kickers i guess when i'm goals. saying the miss field goal i'm kind of just like saying the auburn game in general yeah, 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 yes yeah. but I mean, I, I, I sat there for 30 minutes, like, like unable to move my body. Yeah. <laughs> that was just, like, just the closest thing to death. Feeling, like, <laughs> physical effects of shock. <laughs> like you just got in an accident yeah. or something. Yeah. My body was, like, yes, it was like the equivalent of a car accident after that. Uh, so Missouri is 4-5 and five now on the season, 2-4 and four in the SEC. Um, only, only above Vanderbilt, who is winless in conference play. Uh, Florida is also two and four. Who did they just beat? They looked good against Texas A&M, maybe? Who? Florida. Yeah. They looked good. Yeah, Texas A&M had like 30 players out with the flu. Texas A&M is one and five in SEC play, three and six on the season. That's pretty good. Man, I just, man, I want to see what they do. Billion dollar coach. Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We always do. We always do. Uh... For Missouri, we get the treat of playing Tennessee, who is eight and one on the season, coming off their first loss to Georgia. Lost that game twenty-seven to thirteen. They still have the best offense in the country. Um, run through it real quick. Hendon Hooker, incredible quarterback, twenty-five hundred yards, twenty-one touchdowns, two interceptions on the season. 71 percent uh 71 completion percentage yeah. his completion percentage is 71 percent percent 
That's good. That's really, really good. That's incredible. Like, uh, Heisman. Does Josh Heifel know what he's doing? I think he has figured something has out on offense. proved that at this point? He knows how to run offense? I don't know. I, I mean, yes, but I would be – it'll be interesting to see what happens when they have to move on to the next quarterback. These players are good. Yeah. Yeah, he's Two. finally – like, the recruiting classes that Tennessee just always ends up with – as far as like, like their finally ranking, off. yes, yeah. they're actually getting production. They're yeah. getting five-star production out of these five-star players. Yeah, they were showing a graphic actually with Dominic Lovett's production this year, comparatively to is it Jalen Hyatt? Jalen Hyatt, yeah. Uh, and I mean Dominic Lovett is having like a all-American, not all-American, all-SEC type of season. Worth mentioning: zero catches for zero yards against Kentucky. I actually didn't even notice that. Yeah, that's concerning. Yeah. Anyways, he's probably like third in the SEC in receiving yards. Even with a goose egg. Even with a goose egg. He still has like, you know, 700-ish receiving yards and two touchdowns on the season. And then it shows Jalen Hyatt. He's got like 900 yards receiving and 14 touchdowns. And he didn't really do anything in the Georgia game. Uh Uh-uh. Bro is like Mike Evans or something all of a sudden. Yeah. He's incredible. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's good. Um, they also have two really good running backs. Jabari Small is still there and Jalen Wright. Um, they basically just split time 50-50, and they're, one of them is always fresh. One of them seems to always be on, and most of the time they both are. Um, their offensive line is good. Um, it's like basically exactly what we would need the Missouri offensive line to be just like good enough to make everything run smoothly you trade our offensive line for tennessee's i would believe it or not (laughs) but it's like uh tennessee's offensive line i don't think it's not like they're they're not gonna have like first round nfl draft picks come out of this yeah okay they're not kentucky's from last year necessarily yeah or like your alabama offensive line that they usually have but they are good enough. very much good enough to make everything work for this offense. Well, they're kind of like up-tempo, like get the ball out quick anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, that takes a little bit of pressure off the offensive line. But, I don't know. It's good uh, good synergy all around for that, de- for that offense. Um, defensively, Kentucky, or Tennessee, not incredible. Um, but it's interesting how their offense plays a part in that because – in SEC play, uh, Tennessee's defense is 12th in passing yards per game allowed and second in rushing yards per game allowed. But that has a lot to do with um, getting script. up early and teams having to abandon the running game and yep. just throw the ball a million times to try to catch up. Yep. Missouri ought to be good at that. No. Oh, the opposite, actually. Yeah. So what do you think? Uh you know, I'm, I'm interested to see Missouri's defense against an actually elite offense. And, you know, they had some moments against Kentucky. And, I mean, Will Levis is probably the best quarterback they'll face this year. Obviously, Tennessee, significantly better offense as a whole. Um, so that probably makes it a lot more difficult because you can't really just key in on anything like you can against Kentucky. Um I don't know. I I would. I guess I wouldn't be terribly surprised if Missouri kind of puts up a fight in this game. Is on the road in a again one of the craziest environments they'll play in all year. 
Is there an emotional dip for Tennessee coming off the Georgia loss? A little narrative play there. Um, That's possible. Um, Yeah, I think if they beat Georgia, then maybe they're thinking like, okay, we're – we are national title contenders here. They still are, but um, like we have to just keep winning every game. Maybe they're already doing that anyway. Maybe they, maybe they're thinking we got to win every game to get back into the playoff contention. Yeah, but now their their destiny is tied to needing Georgia to lose a game. Mm. And yeah, I don't know that the, this the on field performance will be like close enough for the narratives to come into play at, at all. But um, you never know. I think Missouri will hold their own, but it's just still just not going to be competitive by the end of the game. Are you ready for me to make a prediction? Well, yeah, basically. Um, you think how much can Missouri's defense slow down this Tennessee offense? Marginally, or not in- like Georgia, but I think they'll slow. I don't. I, th- I don't think uh, Tennessee will score like fifty plus or anything like that. Um, unless the only thing that could mean if Missouri's offense is so bad that they're just doing three and outs all day then yeah maybe Tennessee does score 50 plus because they just have the ball all game yeah I'm trying to I'm trying to think like Missouri wins this game if and there's just too many things that would have to go wrong for Tennessee Missouri keeps this game close if the defense shows up and and the offense i mean tennessee's defense is not anything special mm-hmm. and uh i don't know missouri's offensive line is just yep not good enough to keep them in these games yeah i think missouri actually goes up three to zero to start the game and then loses 42 to 13 yowza um i think missouri's gonna lose I think Missouri's defense keeps them under 40. Give me 34 to 21. Ooh. Maybe a garbage time touchdown for Missouri. I'd probably take that. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see like Chris Abrams drain and Ennis Ray Straw versus some of these, these like NFL wide receivers. Basically I think Tennessee's got two different wide receivers that will uh, be drafted highly um, this off season. So, I mean, they've got playmakers all over, but especially, I think those will probably be the two matchups I'm, I'm interested in. And obviously the, the dif- defensive line is always fun to watch. Um, you know, they can, they can make things happen. Not impossible. Missouri hung with Georgia. That's true. Anything can happen in college football. That game was at home, though, right? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's going to be tough to go out, out to uh, Knoxville and do anything significant. They're probably going to lose this one, but... Hey, at least Arkansas is looking winnable. That's the thing. Uh, two wins away from bowl eligibility. One's pretty much guaranteed against New Mexico State. And we are setting up two five-win teams meeting the last game of the season on Black Friday to see if one of them can go to a bowl game. See if one of them can. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're predicting a loss. Oh, well. What are you going to do? Tennessee's good, as much as it hurts. Let's pick the rest of the SEC slate. Producer Cameron, take it away. To recap last week, 
Cameron scored six points. I scored six. The yes pickers scored four, and Kyle scored three. That brings our season totals to Cameron has 50. Guest pickers have 58. <laughs> Kyle has 60. I have 65. Not a great week for me. I thought I thought I was making a move and then literally still eight points behind third place. Cool, cool, cool. I'm yeah. ready, though. There's, a, there's quite a few games this week. Could be some good games. Mm-hmm. Our first game is... Number seven, LSU at Arkansas. LSU is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I'll take LSU. Same. Oh, wait, who's our guest picker? Matt? Uh, yeah. Welcome in. Tilly Tilly. Uh, give me yeah, LSU. They just beat Alabama. Yeah. And Arkansas just lost to Liberty. That is true. And they're favored by three-and-a-half. LSU is. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it's at Arkansas? Yes. Well, yeah. I'll take LSU. Give me LSU. LSU. Their quarterbacks look pretty good this year. Just beat Alabama. Oh. Matthew takes Arkansas. Oh, Ooh. interesting. Okay, thank you, thank you. Next up is Vanderbilt at Kentucky, number 24, Kentucky. Kentucky is a... You just had to add that part, didn't you? 18-point favorite. Oh, I'll take Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's on Kentucky. Poor Vanderbilt. Should have beat us. Yeah, when when's the next time they're going to win a conference game? Not this year. They're going to need what? Like they would have needed to play like Arkansas this year maybe. Like they had their chance against Missouri and blew it. Arkansas might have been the next best option. Next up is number nine, Alabama, at number 11, Ole Miss. Alabama is a 12-point favorite. Hmm. Ole Miss playing for the SEC West? Let me... Yeah, they uh, they have lost one game. LSU has lost one conference game, but two games total. So... Oh, okay, you're talking about... Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like Ole Miss has maybe not had a super tough schedule so far and kind of lost their one game against someone that was decent. So I'm going to pick Alabama. Not quite fraudulent, but just maybe not quite ready to win the big game yet, you know. I'll take Alabama. Um, Has anybody picked Ole Miss? Matthew picked Ole Miss. Mm. Okay, I'll take Alabama. I'm just determined. My only goal now is to not finish fourth. Good luck. Thank you. Next up is South Carolina at Florida. Florida is an eight-point favorite. Give me Florida. Yeah. Yeah, I got to go Florida. Anybody? What would Matt do? Florida. Mm. Where's it being played? Florida. Florida. I'll pick Florida. Uh not giving me any opportunities here number one georgia at mississippi state georgia is an 18 point favorite mississippi state's sneaky good actually uh but still pretty easy pick for me you gotta go georgia georgia 
they say? Do they say that? Anyone? Yeah. Does anyone say that? I think somebody does. Georgia? Something like that. Um, yeah, Georgia. Everybody on Georgia. Makes sense, makes sense. Texas A&M at Auburn. Auburn is a one and a half point favorite. Now here's a game. Here's a game. This is going to be quite a football game. This is the game of just clown show, man. I'm going to be I'm going to be rooting for Auburn pretty significantly. Are you? You just I'm not going to watch this game. I'm going to be honest with everyone. But if I look at the score or something, I'm going to be hoping that Auburn is winning. Do you just hate Jimbo? What has Jimbo done to you, Cameron? You know, I don't know. But I hate him. That's a strong word, but... I hope he doesn't get a hold of this. <laughs> because He's got the resources to come after he anybody. definitely does. Even someone Even of you. my stature. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You're probably taller than him. Yeah, what are you, like 6'1", six 6'2"? Six I, I, go, I go missing tomorrow. It, you know, that the, would be the really college, fast. The college football world would be turned on its head. Jimbo goes missing. I don't know if anybody's going to notice. I'll agree with that. I mean, they could have a Jimbo Fisher impersonator they pro- they come in win and the they game. win more games. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Jimbo Fisher goes missing. They improve. Do they even care? I, what, what is, I would no. love to hear from a Texas A&M fan. The fans care. What are the fans thinking right now? The fans are the only people that care. Are they done with him? Or do they understand the financial situation that they're tied to him f- for the rest of his life? That probably makes him hate him more. Yeah. He's stealing from them. I'm with the A&M fans. We stand on with this A&M. One. Yeah. Get rid of them. The fans. Yeah. Get rid of the fans. No, get rid of Jimbo. <laughs> <laughs> Bankrupt your university to buy him out. He couldn't just go by Jim or James. You don't... Maybe Jimbo is his legal name. I don't care. Go by oh, Jim. I- even if. Yeah. Yes. Let's what find a, out what his legal name is. What an idiot. His um, name is John James... Fisher Jr. John Fisher? James. John. <laughs> yeah, that's his name. Why, what? What is that doing in there? That's John James Jimbo name? Fisher Jr. No, Jimbo Fisher. Oh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Give me. His last name is Junior. <laughs> okay. Um, his last name. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking like that wasn't the last word you said, so it isn't his last name. Uh, what's Fisher doing in there? Okay. Uh, yeah. After all that, I'm gonna probably take A and M. Same. Oh, what did Matt pick? A&M. I'll do the opposite, okay, I guess. hold on a second oh. now. Oh. Hold on a moment. You trying to change your pick? I'm not. Oh, gosh, dang it. Cameron is way in the lead, and he's picking all the right teams. No. Who are they playing, even? Auburn. Auburn. Auburn's going to win this game. terrible. Give me Auburn. Is, give uh, me Auburn or give me death. No, you're going to die. No. I'm not going missing. Where's it at? Auburn. Pick a Okay, I'll pick Auburn. Oh, okay, <laughs> with me. Okay. Yes. Okay. we got to take this dude down somehow, even if it's picking the wrong teams, I guess. <laughs> Is that it? Unfortunately, no. Last game is Nebraska at number three, Michigan. Michigan is a 31-point <laughs> favorite. Holy crap. Unfortunately, no. Uh, yeah, give me. Yeah, Michigan, please. Yeah. And thank you. Yep. 30, how many? 31. 
Jeez. Michigan number three in the country. Mm-hmm. No. They're fraudulent. They're not even they're not gonna win the Big Ten championship. That's my prediction. But they're gonna win this game though. <laughs> yep. I'll take Michigan. Good pick. Is that it? You'll get at least one right this yeah, weekend. Yeah, that's it. There's a little bit of variance. Yeah, I thought that with that many games, I thought I'd have an opportunity to really do something. We'll see. Um, any last words about the Tennessee game? Any like real words of encouragement for the players going into this matchup MRC. or anything? Okay. What about the fan base? Any any notes for us? Still got Arkansas and New Mexico State. Still got two wins left on the on the schedule. Just got to suffer through this one. And just keep in mind, Kentucky will suck for another decade after this year. That's true. That's a fact. Yeah. Um, I guess that's it for this week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters, including Tim. Uh, sorry, Tim, I tried to work this into the actual show, but I couldn't do it. Sometimes you got to kiss the homies goodnight, bro. Thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Demore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Lewis Hernandez, Tim Keens, Tyler Harsel, Brandon Groffalo, Brandon Hanks. Thank you. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We're on Twitter at Missouri Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. You can find our T-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. I wrote it down to try to, like, fitted in somewhere just never came up huh yeah i was trying i mean we we dance around it every week but just this week couldn't fit it in yeah uh thank you everyone for listening we will see you next week